Welcome to Modern Aikidoist Podcast. My discussion today is with John Thompson of Aikido University, the new online Aikido learning platform. Before we start, I want to thank everyone who has supported the show, and in particular those of you who have contributed to the PayPal tip jar. The likes, subscribes, and shares help a great deal as well. I enjoy bringing you this content, and the contributions help cover the expenses for doing so. Another way you can get more content is to join the Spirit Aikido online program. There are more than 110 videos in the program currently, with new ones added every few days. Subscribers get access to video training and mentoring to techniques and training methods that I've adopted from other martial arts to make my Aikido more practical. In the most recent videos, I cover a variety of heel hooks and how to train them. I've also added videos on the fundamentals of kite and nage and variations for dealing with punches. Coming up are defenses from a variety of kicks. There's a link to the program in the description. I invite you to check it out. This is the full-length discussion that John and I had regarding the course I put together for Aikido University, called Aikido-Based Self-Defense. I had a great chat with him about it, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. And welcome to another episode of All Things Aikido. I'm John Thompson out of North Texas, and today I'm very excited to have Tristan Shermack from Spirit Aikido. And we're having Tristan on today for more than a few reasons. Uh, one, I think he's a great guy, and I've had a relationship with him over social media for a bit now, and uh, I like a lot of things that he says. Uh, but Tristan is also one of our first featured authors in the Aikido University. And for those of you who aren't aware, Aikido University will be a platform launching very soon. Actually, it's already up. If you check the byline or tagline underneath, you'll see a link. And I reached out to Tristan as perhaps being one of the first people to put up content on that platform. He accepted and he put up a chapter on self-defense. If you don't know Tristan, he's the owner of Spirit Aikido in Minnesota. He also runs the Aikido the Marshall side on Facebook, which has a extensive following from people all over the world and creates great dialogue on our art. He also has a podcast called Spirit Aikido where he's has plethora of subject matter that he goes into detail. And recently he's been adding some interviews with uh, some pretty big names around the world. what I miss there, Tristan? Uh, you did great. I think the only <laughs> thing, and this is a really new one, as of last Saturday, I started uploading, I started doing a video breakdown of Randori. And the first episode that I chose was Gozo Shiota. And I, I took a bunch of clips of him doing his Randori and then uh, showed like a technical breakdown of what I saw, the, the good things and what he was doing, the methods he was using. My, my goal is to create this as a series where we can start to look and learn from experienced people about what works in Randori. How can we, how can we take their example and learn from it so that we can have our Randori skills be that good? Um, Randori is one of the things in Aikido that's probably at the top of my list for overall interest is to me, Aikido's were or I'm sorry, Randori is where Aikido, the rubber meets the road. Like if you, that's the yeah. pinnacle of having your Aikido really work. Is and that was interesting because when we first started talking and collaborating with your project, uh, Randori was one of the subjects that came up that you were very interested in making a lesson plan for. And, but I think you, you decided to maybe start a little bit more base level uh, mm -hmm. with your project. But I think that what we're going to see is there's going to be a building to yes. that. So, so tell us about what you decided to, to focus in on for your first lesson in the Aikido University. 
Well, firstly, I was very honored to, to be asked to, to be, take part in that project, especially to be one of the first people in there, uh, instructors in there. And it, it was fortuitous because last November, I started a uh, Spirit Aikido online program. And I started doing videos about last uh, July or so. I started filming them. I wanted to get uh, a number of them in the can so that, we could, that I could go live. And it, we, I wound up going live November 1st. Uh, but within there, I wanted to take the approach that I think was the biggest change in my Aikido as my Aikido advanced. And that is when I, after I opened my dojo and I started having my own students and to having responsibility for my students. I mean, when I was assistant instructor to my own instructor, obviously I had responsibilities to my, to his students, uh, but I was working within sort of the parameters I was given. But now that I had my own dojo, I thought, these are my students. What am I going to do with when it's my name on them? Essentially, it's my responsibility to, to build the skills in them. And, and I took a real hard look at that. And, um, you know, I inherited a curriculum from my instructor in the organization that I was in. And I had great respect for that. I still do have great respect for everything I was taught. But I thought, you know, if there was one thing that Aikido as an art overall tends to have is the belief that you need to study it for 10, 12, 15, 20 years before it's really useful to you as, as a martial art or as self-defense. In fact, I asked around every seminar I'd go to, I would ask instructors, senior students, I said, you know, you're, you're a black belt, you know, how long do you, did it take of training for you before you felt like if someone came up to you and got in your face or started swinging at you, you, you would feel comfortable handling them, like from a self-defense standpoint. And the lowest number I got was about eight years to 10 years. Most of the time was, it was, uh, I still am not comfortable. And this was after practitioners have been studying for 15, 20, 20 years. At least they were being honest. Right. I never heard it about a year. I never heard two years. I never heard, you know, six months. And, you know, then I go back to, to, uh, you know, Bruce Lee's statement. He says, you, you go train boxing for six months and wrestling for six months and you will probably beat somebody who's been practicing martial arts for five years or more. I don't remember the exact number of years, but somebody who's got a lot more experience. And I thought, you know, then I also looked at, uh, for example, Brazilian jiu-jitsu or wrestling or boxing. And you get, if you start any of those within six months, you'll have some pretty solid basic skills for defending yourself. And I thought, boy, there's no reason that Aikido can't do the same or at least get in the same ballpark. I like, you know, we're a martial art. We should not have to answer a potential student with saying, you know, well, it's going to take eight or 10 years because we're in a, we're in a world now where people don't have that kind of patience. They would like to see some results. And I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation. So I started looking at, all right, well, you know, um, how would I go about reforming my curriculum, especially focused on those first six months with new students to get them some reasonable self-defense skills. And um, of course, like with any military technology or any uh, conflict technology, it's based on, well, what's the threat? You know, if you're gonna design a defense, you, what's the offense you're trying to protect against from it? And it has to be formed on that. Um, you know, of course, a lot of the, the Japanese arts are based in sword. I'm like, well, we're not going to really, really deal, be dealing with swords. That's not really what our modern threat is. So, all right, well, let's change it around. How about, then I went right down every single thing. Shomenuchi attacks, Yokomanuchi attacks, 
all the stuff that I was taught. Like, are these good representations of what somebody is really going to run into? And my answer generally was, well, not really. Well, what are they? Haymaker punches, sucker punches to, you know, like a right cross or jabs, uh, leg takedowns, body locks, tackles, um, these types of attacks. Yes, grabs are part of that. And I think Aikido does, has got grabs nailed down probably better than any other art, maybe except for catch wrestling. Uh, but why not say, and, and basic kicks, you know, and I'm not talking, you know, high flying Taekwondo kicks. I'm talking, somebody's just going to Muay Thai kick you in the thigh. Cause that's, you know, anybody can do that. That's a great, and it's a devastating kick. So how, how about I form a basic curriculum on the fundamentals of some of these things? And I had to om omit a few because we only have six months. And these are brand new students. So I didn't try to cover all of the bases, but I started adopting, how do you deal with a haymaker? How do you deal with somebody coming up and just giving you a, a bully schoolyard shove? Um, how do you cover things like a clinch? This, that was a big one that I wanted to include in there. Somebody walks up and gets in your face, you hold your hands up, they press in on you and grab you, and now you're in a clinch. Like that could happen before you even think uh, that anything physical is gonna happen. So I wanted to have some answers for, for the students that could get them comfortable with these kind of real world, highly likely attacks that they might experience. And so that's how I reformed the test. And I took uh, some of the stuff that was on the traditional, my old traditional yellow belt test, because I think these are things that are important. Things like Ikkyo, uh, uh, Nikkyo, and not because Nikkyo I think is a tremendous self-defense tool, because it's, it's pretty specialized. You gotta be good at an Nikkyo to get it to work. Like this is not something you just pull on somebody real quick after you learned it like a month ago. But that's the reason to have it on the first test, in my opinion, was to give students a long time to practice it, like from day one all the way through. So they, you know, in a year or two years, now they've got a, a devastating Nikkyo. Um, but really to focus on somebody getting up in your face, they're shoving you, they grab you, uh, and so I've taken some of what uh, some of judo's material because judo has got is hands down the best with hip throws and somebody getting into a clinch. Like I don't think any art does better than judo yeah, when right. someone got their hands on you and you got their hands on them. Like it's funny. Got... I, my wife does judo. She's done it for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. and she wanted to do something more competitive after she got her black belt in aikido. Yep. And uh, for lack of a better word, I, I kind of she really liked her teacher. And so he's now part of my school. Oh, okay. So we started a judo program and I, I started nice. taking it and I can still train because I have my wife so we can yep. train with each other. And I've been amazed by how similar they're. And I mean, I figured they would be, yep. but like he, he'll show something and he'll look at me and I'll be like, yeah, like it's just this and this is different, but very, very, very similar. Absolutely. You know, and, and I'll, I've noticed exactly the same thing. And you get a judo guy, bring him in your house, get him in the dojo, get him teaching. I've got a judo group in my, in my uh, dojo as well and been training with them. And, you know, it occurs to me like judo and Aikido and jujitsu are like three brothers from the same father. They really are that close. Um, to say that they're radically different arts, in my opinion, just is, is a, you're only looking at them from a very shallow perspective when you get deep in into them they really are the same principles taking the balance using efficiency of movement all of that stuff is is it's aikido it's judo it's jujitsu 
It's even sumo. It's even karate to, to a certain degree. Um, you're looking you just named the four arts that I have in my school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, they're, they're so closely related, you know, and, and with the clinch, um, I did use a judo hip throw, but I tuned it a little bit to make it less uh, sportized. Uh, for example, it's a, it's a hip throw, which is basically a koshinage um, without lifting the leg, which is like, I think a judo, they call it an osotogari. Mm-hmm. Well, on a sport mat, you can lift your own leg as you're throwing uke down. And oftentimes you'll see when judo competitors do that, they will go flying, but they've gotten their epon, so it doesn't yeah. matter. I want to keep our both feet on the ground. In a self-defense situation, you don't want to be standing on one leg half tipped over. So I've just adjusted it a little bit and I ran it by the, the judo instructor there. And, and by the way, he's, he's, he started judo when I was in kindergarten. Like he's been around a long time. He's a fantastic judoka. And he looked at, it, he says, you know, this is a little bit different than judo, but he says, I like it. I like how this is practical for, from a self-defense angle. He says, in fact, I think I'm going to kind of use that. So even though each art has got their own sort of specialties, the things they have in common are tremendous. They're tremendously powerful and you can tweak them a little bit for how to, you know, use them. And then one of the big things that I included on this was uh, groundwork. What happens when you're taken to the ground? What happens when you find yourself on the ground? And I've worked with a mentor of mine that I've been training with for over 12 years now. And he comes from a wrestling background. He's also a law enforcement officer. So he's taken his wrestling and adapted it for real world application stuff that you don't want to do, like go down to the ground. Um, Although that seems counterintuitive from a wrestler, you want to take the person down, but you want to maintain top position all the time. Uh, You're not going for a pin. So you don't care if you get his shoulders on the mat, you want a controlling position and then to be able to get back to our feet. And I said, that's what I want. And I, that's what I want my students to have. I want, I don't want anybody to be able to hold them on the ground. I want them to, to have the mindset to get, I've got to get on top and I've got to get back to my feet. And hopefully I can keep the other person on the ground longer because then I can take control. But that's the mindset. That's the difference between the sport fighter and the self-defense focus. Yes. I think that's a good point to make Tristan, because uh, in your in your lesson block, there's there's a couple things I really like that you did, and, and one of them is intention. Uh, so if if we're not worried about rolling around the ground with someone, which is a, a, a criticism by some Aikido practitioners about Awaza, mm-hmm. uh, full disclosure, I I train BJJ as well. Sure. Uh, when you take that, when you change that intention of hey, I just want to I just want to teach my my students how to get back up. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard to thwart someone who wants to keep you on the ground yeah like just focusing on that one aspect hey i want a vertical posture i need you up on your feet mm-hmm. and a lot can be done in six months on a yellow belt test yeah. to, to kind of get that honed in and i think your the, the lessons that you provide on that are, are they're simple but they're that's the beauty of them is that they're simple and elegant and that's the key is it's easy for an instructor to flood a student with so much information they can't even process it. And I don't think a good, a good teacher does that. A good teacher clarifies and says, these are the foundation building blocks and these are what you need in place first. Like if you build any house, you got to pour a firm foundation first and then everything you build on that can be solid. But if you start going, you know, building the frame before you put a foundation in, nothing on top is going to be solid, no matter how good your carpentry is. And, and I thought, you know, with 
with going forward, if my students are comfortable with a high level of stress or, or pretty high level, I don't go you know crazy with them, but there's a, a factor of stress inoculation training that goes with this. They get used to faster speeds, um, which I do a little bit later. Really what they get used to first is you don't know what's coming. I want them to be useful and comfortable like somebody's approaching me. I don't know what's going to happen here. And you give them a few simple solutions for how to deal with that. And you saw within the content, we were using head covers and, and foot shifts, moving the body. You get those two in place. And most of the things that are going to come at you are going to have a hard time getting to you. Because that's rule number one in my dojo, golden rule, don't get hit. Do whatever you have to do to not get hit. And because the, the, the conflict is still going, if you're still standing, you got a chance. Uh, but if you get hit, your chances drop dramatically. Um, and yeah, solving that problem is simple. And you know, you do it again, you do a good job in your lesson. Of it. it's, it's very sequential. I, I, mm -hmm. I haven't seen it in a couple of weeks, but I, I want to say that one of the first lessons is just how to give a shot. And yes. That, that, that use of extending your energy forward. And mm -hmm. that's kind of a okay issue, but it also comes up on the Nagi side as well. And then everything you kind of do after that just is a building block off of that. So it, I, I appreciated the, because I'm a, a teacher of master's in education as well. I appreciated that there was a very linear progression there. Exactly. You know, and what I didn't explain in that video, uh, at least went in depth with it is, I actually got that from a friend of mine who is a, uh, from a martial background, he's a Muay Thai fighter, like a sport fighter. Professionally, he's a, a bodyguard bouncer. When Katrina happened, he went down and was on site to provide security in New Orleans. And we got to talking one time after he came back and he says, you know, Tristan, he said, probably the most single useful tool that anybody can do is a powerful shove just to get somebody away from you and create space. It's, he says, it's not sexy. Uh, you know, it doesn't make you feel like a total badass, but when you need space between you and somebody else, boom, if you can give a hard instant shove with your whole body weight, he said that that tool is so useful. Uh, and it doesn't matter if you're a bouncer or just somebody wants to get somebody out of your face who's just walked up on you. You know, just being able to drop that body is a huge thing. And you're right. It is important from an UK standpoint. If I'm training against a bully or somebody, a thug that's going to come up and shove me, I don't want a half-hearted, like, little light shove. I want a good, powerful shove so that I, I can deal with that. And that's why in the program we do that, uh, I think I call it the two-handed shove, Arimi pushback where somebody comes up to give you that shove and you plant and you, you send them sailing backwards. Um, very simple, not complicated, but I think it's crucial. It's one of those things that very likely might happen if somebody comes to try to push you around. Um, yeah, we even see that whenever you're uh, in your chapter on the haymaker, that entry in, it's, it's really the same thing. You're, you're, yes. in, you're, you're seeing the situation, you're being in the moment, and everything's just forward. There's a unified body behind it. It was very clear. I was like, yeah, you did that in lesson one. Now we're seeing it in lesson 15. Exactly. And the internal stuff is there. If, if you branch out with students at a later point where you talk about how do you plant your weight, how do you connect with your center to your base, and how do you extend your and all that stuff is in there. But you don't overwhelm a student with it. You say, I just want you to shove hard. Like, that's all. You know, it's simple. It's, you don't have to baffle them with the mysticism part. Just get it to the be, you know, you're planted, you're solid, you, you get somebody away from you. Um, and the same thing with the haymaker. And this is probably one of the most, uh, one of the biggest changes I made 
in with the haymaker is I broke away from the formula of here's the technique, here's the attack that's going to be thrown on you, and here's the exact technique I want to see all the way through to the pin because it, it sets a program in a student's head. And it, it's fine to start there, but in a live situation, you're not going to be able to run that full program. Other stuff's going to happen. And so this is the method by which I say, all right, the haymaker's going to start. Here's how you stop from getting hit. Then you need to see what the conditions are for how you finish it. And this is where Uke's role gets more complex too, because Uke shows different types of possibilities that could happen after Nage intercepts. And so there has to be a constant visual check by Nage. All right, what's happening now? How do I adjust or what do I need? How do I end this based on what I'm seeing right here? So there's an adaptability bit. And I don't do all of the techniques this way. This is, this is one of two of them that I do on, on that yellow belt test. And, but it, it's, it plants the seed in the student's mind of, I've got to be on the ball throughout this whole thing. I'm not just running a program beginning to end. I've got to be ready to adjust to whatever happens that Uke is doing that I'm not predicting or, or I'm not expecting. There are, there are subroutines. The choreography part. You know, you start there, but you can't stay in that choreography zone the whole time. I, I like that. A lot of people would say, you know, Nagi is in control, and something I try to impress upon my students is, no, really, Uke is the one determining what's going on. Mm -hmm. And if they shift, then, then we have to shift with that. Right. You know, a reaction is slower than action, and they attacked us, so they initiated the action. <laughs> and they can, they can try to maneuver things in the middle. I mean, yeah. yes, Nage wants to take control. You want to take Kazush. Yeah, you want to get into a positive position. All that's the ivory tower ideal. Like if you do everything right, that's how it should go. But what if it doesn't? And, and that's the thing. And I found my students uh, warm up to this really well. Like even ones that have no martial background, no athletic background, when you lay it out clearly, they really enjoy it. I, and I think this is something that it's easy for people, I think, practitioners who've gone through the formula and do that over and over and have done it for years, and that's their comfort zone, can kind of go, wow, you know, I think going away from that would be really scary. Like, would anybody like it? They think they probably wouldn't. Maybe they'd be too overwhelmed or too scared. Well, you might be, but if you present it in a way to say, this isn't scary, it really isn't. Let me just show you how it works. And we're going to build on it slowly and simply, but if you get used to it, it's not scary at all. Or, or, hey, it's scary. Let's deal with that. Let's talk about that. Right. Let's talk about exactly. that data management because you're going to have to get past that to get to any answer that you have. Yeah. You know? yeah. And one of the things that I noticed for many years was uh, along this exact same line was how many instructors and dojos and organizations that would take Randori and say, we're not even going to teach you that until you're brown belt. Well, what effect did that have? On the students, they said, well, I got to do all this hard, you know, hard training and for years before I'm even ready for it. Like, my God, how, how terrifying must that be? And they spend years in their mind building up, wow, everything as good as I am now, I'm not even ready to start learning it. You know, and they, so you take years and you set up, you build this huge wall of fear in their mind. And now you get, as a teacher, you got to tear it down. And they, they take on the same, and I've seen this happen a number of times where you say, okay, well, you're going to train for three, four years, and all you're going to do is paired kata, and, all, and you're going to do it, you know the, what the attack is, and you're going to go through it, and you get good at it, 
and they say, okay, now we're going to do, I'm going to take two, two people, go. All right. And so the, the student uses the same formula he used with the kata, tries to do it in a randori, and it's a car wreck. It just, it's the wrong formula. You can't, you know, it's, it's uh, kind of like using a wrench to pound in a nail. You could do it, but it's really not the tool for that job. And, so and, second, and second lesson plan is going to be your randori then. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yep. And this is the thing, you know, like I've developed my outline, which isn't even complete yet, but I've got basically like three large programs that awesome. are going to be, you know, staged because there's a lot to it. But, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm very passionate about this, but I realize this is going to be a pretty hefty piece of work. Um, so there's on that, be a lot to it. Yeah, on that, tell me, why do you think it's important for, or is it important for us teachers now and where we're at with our art and with technology? What do you, what do you find the, the advantages of having, you know, video and plug and play lessons on a, a format like Aikido University, or you have an online service on your website, which we'll, we'll bump below. And what do you think are some of the pitfalls? Like, what are some of the pluses, minuses to that process? Sure. You know, for the longest time, I very much counted myself an old school traditionalist and saying, you can't learn a martial art through video. Like, forget <laughs> it. Ain't going to work. Well, when I was younger, what it was is you saw an ad in a comic book or, uh, you know, some newspaper or something. You say, I'm going to send away for a book on how to be a ninja or you know, whatever it was. And of course you, you order a book and you sit there, you're not going to learn anything from reading the book. And the same kind of thing held true with video. Basically they, you'd have some technique videos and you'd send them to somebody who had no experience whatsoever, probably no training partner, unless their brother or, you know, one of their kid friends wanted to go out in the backyard and kind of, kind of look at the pictures and go, all right, well, or look at the video and go, how do we do this? So not a good way to learn. However, uh, I'm having to revisit my thoughts on video. We do have this amazing technology. We can commute with, uh, uh, communicate with instructors all over the country, all over the world. We, there's still the importance of getting on the mat. You're never going to replace that. However, the videos, uh, I find books are, are pretty disappointing on when they try to talk about the physical, but videos have, I think are invaluable to plant the seed in a, at least an intermediate to an advanced level uh, practitioner who can say, I can, I can relate to part of this and I can see it. I want to play with this on the mat and I want to take it and try it out. They can combine their experience with, with uh, the new idea or something they hadn't seen before and do it in a way that's not very threatening. It's easy, I think, for uh, a practitioner to say, well, I'm not going to walk into somebody else's dojo and, and say, can you show me something? That's, that can be a little awkward or, or it can feel intimidating but you go out and you watch a video from say a catch wrestler or a, a jiu-jitsu you know guy or or anybody you want to learn i want to learn about some leg locks or i want to learn about chokes or you can get a lot of information i think the internet really is uh, the great library of alexandria in our age it is the sum of the knowledge that we are collecting and it's a great boon to us we, there are ways we can use it. And I, I think we're just at the, at the infancy of how we can effectively use this tool to do like what we're doing right now, uh, to create courses of material that people want to see. Um, it'd be great if we could give it all away for free, but it, there's a lot of time that goes into producing this stuff. And to be no, able to get not, at least- It would not be great if we could give it away. 
know, and, and the, the nice part is it's damn close to free. Cause yeah. I remember, you know, I would go to seminars and I'd pay anywhere between 60, $80 for a weekend up to $150. And I'd come away with two or three things that I, that I, I'm like, I really want to work on this. Well, if you break that down, you're paying 30 to 50 bucks per idea. Now you can go through a course, whether it's a paid course, like the one we have, and the ones that Aikido, our university is offering, or you go find something on YouTube, you can get your ideas for damn next to nothing. And so you talk about a great advancement that puts a lot more ideas in the hands of practitioners who are uh, beyond the raw beginner stage. Cause that, that's going to be a time when the raw beginner, I think is going to, going to struggle, but Maybe there's other possibilities for getting them started too. And I think these Zoom classes under the lockdown uh, is challenging us as instructors to solve that problem. How do, we, how do we bridge that? I think that's the toughest gap to bridge, but the intermediate and advanced students who are hungry for new things and wanna try new things in their, in their, on their mats and in their dojos and with their groups, it's invaluable. And the only hitch that I see happening there is when their instructor says, no, if you saw something on, on video, don't bring it in here. And there's some old school instructors that'll, that'll do that. And I'm sad to say, you know, you're holding back the art. You're holding back your students. You're holding back your own development yourself. You should be out there aggressively seeking more knowledge, uh, greater uh, perspective, try new things because any living thing is either growing or it's dying. And if you're not growing, then what's left? So yeah, I think that's how I really, view my art and that's how I view myself, you know? I think that's a really important uh, idea. And I know for me personally, I, I try to learn things with my students. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So I, I'll introduce stuff to them and this may be heresy for some people and they'll look at me and they'll ask a question and be like, let's just keep trying and, and think about yeah. it. And I mean, I may even have an answer for it, but I'm still mulling it over in my head too. And it, you know, and they look at me, I'm like, guys, I'm learning this with you. And they're like, but you look like, well, yeah, I've been training for a long time. And like you said, I'll be able to parse out things a lot faster. Mm -hmm. uh, but I feel like that, that playfulness, you, you pass that on to your students. You and, do, you know, and that's something that, that I take on myself. In fact, I tell my students that my goal is to make your Aikido better than mine. Mm -hmm. I want you to be at least as good, bare minimum, but even better than I am, because then I'm going to be learning more from you. And I want us all in this group, and this is how I address my students, I want all of us to be peers to one another. We are all here sharing this journey. It just so happens I've been on the journey a little longer, but it doesn't mean that, that what I tell you is all 100% truth. And I'll say, I'll tell you this right now, I've, I've shown you things that I've learned better since then. Yeah. And my goal is to be totally honest and say, you know what I just showed you last week? That was wrong. I found something better and here's what we're replacing it with. And what I found from students, and I think a lot of instructors get caught in this trap of, I need to be perfect. I need to be the shining God that bestows knowledge upon my hungry minds. And they, they reel against any idea or showing any mistakes. They don't want to show any weakness, nor do they want to uh, show any ignorance. I've taken the opposite approach and say, I, I want to know ignorance. I want to know mine and I want it purged. And if you spot it, you let me know if, if I spot it in myself, I will openly admit it and say, cause I don't want my weaknesses and ignorance to be your weaknesses and ignorance. 
So let's solve them together. If you have a question, please lay it on me because I've learned more from being asked those questions from students than I have from my instructors. Um, and even ask those questions myself, like, why, why do I do this? What, why was what I've shown the best way to go? You know, it's, it's easy to fall into that program of, I'm doing good because my instructor said I'm doing good. And, and uh, I just watched, uh, it was Christopher Hines' video on, uh, he was kind of breaking down the pins. Oh yeah, I saw that, I saw that. You know, about, okay, you get somebody down in an EQO pin and can they roll out of it? Can they squirm and, and get out? And that would be heresy in many dojos. Like you would not insult your nage by, by rolling out of a pin. Of course, that would be, you know, a, a total breach of etiquette. I've asked many times, I'm like, can you get out of this? Or I'm going to do a technique on you. you. I want you to do everything in your power to keep me from doing it. And it will often fail. But boy, do you find out so much when you go through that. And no, you're not ripping people's arms out of their sockets or having to go that, that intense where people are getting hurt but you need to know where the limits of a technique are, like where are the boundaries? And you only know a boundary when you cross it. You only know how far you can go when you go, whoop, nope, that's too far. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, you said earlier about intention, like that gets back yeah. to the teacher saying the intention of what we're trying to do here. You know, it's not people just being jerks and mm -hmm. this techniques. It's right. Hey, we're, we're going to see where this breaks down, where that boundary is. Exactly. And you want to find it out in the dojo where you can do it in a safe environment. You don't want to find out that, you know, when you're trying to hold down a real thug that in the dojo, you've had a bunch of sunshine blown up your, your hakama about how good your pins are or how good your technique is when it crumbles and fails under pressure. Um, that's better to have your failure in the dojo. And what do they, what, what's the old saying? It says, uh, cry in the dojo, laugh on the battlefield. Um, <laughs> You know, or, or even Rommel said, he said, uh, what was it? Uh, sweat saves blood, blood saves lives, and brains save both. Mm. And I think that those sentiments are very much at the heart of, like, make your training honest so you don't have to deal with the surprise of failure when it comes time that you really need it. Well, I think that's a great place to kind of end on, and uh, I really appreciate your time today. What, if anything else, would you like to, to say about uh, your lesson or just bump something that you're doing or this is your time to- Absolutely. To um, the, the, the Aikido self-based Aikido self-defense, although it does include my yellow belt, what, all the stuff that I put together for the yellow belt uh, test, which you can, I put up the, the test sheet list and, the, and taught all the techniques and everything. It's pretty much exactly like I teach it. You don't need to do a test with it. If you don't want to adopt it to a test, you can just hand pick through and say, all right, I'd like to try these techniques. I, I explain these from an instructor standpoint of here are some of the, the problems you're going to see from your students when you start to do this, some of the common mistakes they might make and what to watch for. Um, you can really treat it as an a la carte kind of thing, which, I mean, that's how we all deal with our martial art. We, we pick and choose, oh, I want to work on this today, or I want to try that, you know, another day, I want to try this next, or... Um, so it's, if I remember right, we got just under three hours worth of content on there. Uh, so it's, it's rich, but it's also to the point. I wanted to make sure and everything that that's on those videos is what needs to be there without a lot of fluff, uh, not, not a lot of wasted time. It's very rich. And I also want to include, if you have any questions about it, if you do sign up and take it, feel free to ask me questions. And I'm happy to answer questions and support them after the fact. 
That's awesome. We're, uh, that's something we've been talking about in the, the team, and that's that, that interaction between the, the professor, for lack of a better word, since you're part of the university, and the, and the students. And uh, we've had some people question about that, and that's, that's amazing. It gets back to that technology. Oh. Uh, one of the cool things about this project is we have people from all over the world starting to contribute, and we, we want more. I mean, you, you mentioned someone else who's putting out a lot of video content. Uh, so there's, there's people out there who have a lot of content. And it doesn't just have to be on the martial side or mm -hmm. self-defense side or technique side. Uh, we're going to have lessons on relationship building in your life, uh, business relations, all how Aikido can kind of permeate all across those, those avenues. So we're, we're trying to keep an open mind if you're interested in this project and want to join along. Absolutely. And the last thing I want to mention is just uh, we're all contributing to this because we love the art. We, we love Aikido. I love Aikido. Uh, I'm sad to see that it's got such a bad reputation. And I'd like to see Aikido step up and say, we are a martial art. I, I want Aikido to be able to stand proudly alongside other practical martial arts and have them go look at us and go, all right, yeah, you guys have got some solid stuff. And there have always been instructors and dojos that have, t have taught that way and, and produced those kinds of results but they're kind of few and far between. And I think that right now we can use this online tool to start coming together and helping one another. And um, our part of it is to produce this content for those people that want to consume the content. Your ability to help us is going to be contributing. If you contribute, we can keep this thing going and we can produce more content and bring it out. So everybody is part of, part of the team. Even if it's somebody who just decides to subscribe to a course or, you know, even offer for somebody who's, uh, you've seen a lot of content on, on YouTube for free, just write and say, Hey, can I contribute? Can I, can I give you something for producing this great content? Like that shows really good character. And I've had, a, I've had some people that have contributed to my podcast, even though I don't charge for it. I put out a PayPal tip jar and if people want to toss in a couple of bucks, cause they think, Hey, you know, I like listening to this content. I think this is a new way again, on the internet that people are going to use, uh, people are going to be able to support the stuff they want to see more of. Unfortunately, we have to break the mold of the old consumer model where if you pay for it, you get it. If you don't pay for it, you get nothing. Now we're going to more of a kind of like a street musician. If you want to sit and listen to good music, be ready to toss in a couple of bucks. You know, it helps them. It, it helps grow the art and grow, have all of us grow together. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I would wrap it up. So that's perfect, man. <laughs> look, in, look into a new a new age and a new era, and I, I think that open source martial arts and this is kind of like that. You have the ability to take your art and go put what you want in it, and do it uh, as you see fit. And so uh, I think this is gonna over the next 10, 20 years. I think this is gonna replace old school organizations with the top down authoritarian type uh, structure and it's going to be tremendously liberating. People are going to be able to enjoy and learn what they want to learn and not be limited by their instructor or their organization. That's a whole different video, Tristan. It is. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, could, we could have a whole series, brother. Man, I really want to thank you for doing this and being part of this project. Uh, it was a pleasure to work with you. Uh, I will say if there's anyone else out there who's got a lot of video content, just just ring me up. And if you haven't already, please go to Tristan's page on Facebook, Aikido the Marshall side. 
uh, you will definitely see links below for that and check out his podcast and just go to his website as well. We'll put the link there. That's also a link to his other courses that aren't available yet. Uh, just check this guy out. He's doing a lot of good work and he's created a lot of good dialogue among people all over the world. So I'm, I'm glad to be part of the Aikido Instructors Group and Aikido University to support him. Thank you, Tristan. And I've got a lot of exciting projects that I haven't been able to announce yet. So the last three months have been very busy. Things are heating up. Cool. Uh, and the, the course I produced was done th two or three months ago. So uh, I've been on to even bigger and better things, but uh, those will be coming out soon. I got some great stuff. Nice. All right. Y'all have a good day. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you very much for watching and supporting this podcast. Enjoy your training.